You're listening to A New Beginning with Greg Laurie, a podcast supported by Harvest Partners. For more ways to deepen and challenge your spiritual walk, enroll in Pastor Greg's free online courses. Sign up at Harvest.org. You do not have to be afraid of death. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said, do not be afraid. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and the grave. So many people are afraid of death. Perhaps it's fear of the unknown, or maybe fear of what they do know. Pastor Greg Laurie has great reassurance. We know a better life is coming, so you don't have to be afraid. This is the About 30 million people move each year. It's a lot of work, packing boxes, unpacking boxes. But do you know anyone who's afraid of moving? Well, for the believer, death is essentially moving. It's moving to a nicer neighborhood. But today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie has good reassurance for those who are still afraid of what death may hold. As we begin to prepare our hearts for Easter this weekend, we'll give some thought to death and the afterlife and how to make sure we're ready. Breakfast, my favorite meal of the day, second only to lunch and dinner. Um, How many of you have had breakfast already? Raise your hand up. You've had breakfast. Well, not that many of you. How many of you are going to have breakfast after this message is over? All right, I got the brunch deal. So you're praying right now, Lord, help them to go shorter today, right? (laughs) So basically my breakfast starts with eggs. I love eggs. I like eggs scrambled. I like them over easy. I like omelets. I like eggs in any way, shape, or form poached. And it's funny because I'll post a lot of things on my social media. But I take a video on my phone of my wife making eggs and it outperforms every other post. <laughs> she just makes eggs and sometimes I provide running commentary. But, but I love breakfast. Now I was back in Alabama and they have something we don't have on most of our menus here in California. They have biscuits and gravy. Now that's the next level. I have to admit I like it. Even at the airport there were biscuits and gravy for breakfast. That's great. But uh, however you like to have breakfast, it's a wonderful meal. Nothing to me is better than the smell of coffee in the morning and maybe bacon cooking. Well we're reading a story now where literally the disciples of Jesus were having breakfast with Him. What an unexpected event. Because He had been crucified. He had been beaten beyond human recognition. None of his disciples ever thought they would see his face again, despite the fact that he spoke repeatedly of his death and resurrection. He spelled it out. I will be crucified and I'll rise again three days later. And that's exactly what happened. But they never thought they would see Jesus again. And now all of a sudden, here he is before them, making them breakfast. Now after Christ rose, he first appeared to Mary Magdalene there in the garden. And she did not think she was going to see the risen Lord. She had simply come to anoint the body of Jesus. 
And then she saw someone that she thought was the gardener. And she asked him where the body was. She saw the tomb was empty. And he said her name, Mary. And it was that inflection, that tone, that only Jesus used when he spoke her name. And she realized it was Jesus. And she said, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she grabbed hold of him. And he said, don't cling to me, Mary, for I must yet ascend to my God and to your God, to my Father and your Father. That was the first appearance. She saw him before anybody else saw him. Then he appeared to two disciples on the Emmaus Road. They're walking along, discouraged, downhearted, and he joined them incognito. Did he have one of those little disguises like the glasses with the fake nose and the mustache? I doubt it. He joins them. They don't know it's Jesus. And he says, hey guys, loose paraphrase, what's been going on? What's been going on, they say. Haven't you heard about Jesus, a, a man mighty in deeds? Uh, he was crucified, and it's been three days since this happened. And Jesus says, no, tell me about him. And uh, so they're telling Jesus about Jesus and they're not doing a very good job <laughs> because they missed the resurrection part. At the end of their journey, he reveals himself to them and they say afterwards, did not our hearts burn within us while he walked with us on the way? Then he appeared in the upper room where the disciples were gathered. And the next day they saw Thomas and said, you should have been with us last night. Jesus showed up. Thomas said, oh yeah, right. Give me a break. I'll believe that when I can put my hand on the wound in his side and touch the prints in his hands. But the next time they were together, Thomas was there. And guess who showed up? Jesus, he says, hey Thomas, go ahead. Put your hand on the wound in my side. Thomas says, oh my Lord and my God. Then Christ appeared to 500 people at one time. That brings us to the story before us now in John 21. So the disciples go fishing. Peter says, I'm going fishing. The other said, we'll go with you. And they fished all night and caught nothing. That happened a lot. Did these guys ever catch fish? Uh, maybe it's because they were always mending their nets. They had holes in their nets. I don't know. And so a voice from the shore silhouetted because it wasn't quite morning yet shouts out, hey, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you'll have a catch. And they did it. And of course, there were so many fish, their nets were breaking. And then John, the perceptive one, says, it's the Lord. Peter jumps out of the boat. He swims to the shore. He comes up on the beach there and Jesus is sitting behind a fire that he made himself. And that's where our story begins here in John chapter 21 beginning in verse 9. When they got there they found breakfast waiting for them. I love that. They found breakfast waiting for them. Jesus said, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. And Jesus said, now come and have some breakfast. Imagine this. Right before the Lord is a resurrected physical Jesus. Now their sadness turns to joy. Their fear turns to hope. You know it's hard when you lose a loved one. Maybe there's somebody I'm speaking to today that had someone they loved that was with them last Easter. And that person has died. And hopefully they died with faith in Christ and they're in heaven. And so you wish you could be with them right now, but you aren't. And it's so hard. That's how these guys felt. And here he was, alive again, risen from the dead. But it should not have been a surprise. This is why he came, to die on the cross and to rise again. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, he conquered sin. 
But when he rose again from the dead, he conquered death. Now death is a topic we generally don't like to talk about. Uh, well, we won't even use a word, the D word. Or we'll say things like, well, they kicked the bucket. Or they cashed in their chips. We don't like this. Or they passed on. Okay. But the word death is a real word. And it's a real event, of course, for every person. Well, death is scary, isn't it? It's the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen. Or at least if we're not a Christian, we don't know. We wonder, is there an afterlife? I read an article on a news site about a rock star who recently died at age 33. He was interviewed before his death and he was asked, hey, if you could get any question answered, what would you ask? And he said, my question is, is there life after death? Wow. It's a big one. I read another article with a headline, glimpses of afterlife, question mark, and it said, and I quote, near-death experiences are not hallucinations, scientists conclude. A team of scientists, according to this article, across several medical disciplines, including neurosciences, critical care, psychiatry, social sciences, have come up with this scientific conclusion. There is life after death. End quote. My profound response to that is, duh. <laughs> I think we all know that intuitively. But I don't believe there's life after death because scientists have now concluded there is. I believe there's life after death because Jesus told me that, you see. It's a big difference. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Pastor Greg Laurie will have the second half of his message in just a moment. Emails, phone calls, and messages from listeners are so encouraging to us, and they let us know the effectiveness of these studies. Pastor Greg, I first heard you on the radio in the 1990s. I'd go through the different stations just to hear you preach. Your messages about Jesus helped me in such a huge way to get through some really hard times. It was the highlight of my day just to listen to you. My kids remember and comment on your voice. My son calls it the Jesus voice. I have found that there's nothing impossible through Jesus Christ. God bless you and your family. Has Pastor Greg heard from you? Why not call us and share your story? Here's the number, 1-866-871-1144. 866-871-1144. Well, today's message is called Breakfast with Jesus. Pastor Greg is helping us consider the afterlife and how to be prepared. You know, when I was a kid, I was terrified of death. And I thought about it a lot. And I think the reason I was terrified of it was my thought at that moment of my life, probably, you know, 12, 13 years old, was when I died, I would no longer exist. And I could not comprehend the idea of no longer existing. So it was a very scary thing that I thought about. But now as an older man, I am no longer afraid to die. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said, do not be afraid. I am the living one. I died, but look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys to death and the grave. You do not have to be afraid of death. Jesus has told us this. Now, he has the keys. I'm glad he has the keys. If I had them, they would be lost by now. Because <laughs> I lose my keys, I lose my wallet, I lose everything. <laughs> but Jesus has 
those keys. That doesn't mean I look forward to death, but I do look forward to heaven. Heard about a preacher that was talking about heaven uh, one Sunday, and he asked this congregation a question. How many of you would like to go to heaven tonight? Everybody raise their hand, except one little boy. He didn't raise his hand. So the preacher asked again, how many of you would like to go to heaven tonight? Everyone's hand went up again. Little boy didn't raise his hand. Then the preacher looked at the little guy and said, son, don't you want to go to heaven tonight? The little guy said, yes, I would like to go to heaven, but I thought you were getting a load up right now. So it's like, I want to go, but not now, right? We want to go to heaven as Christians. The apostle Paul said, I desire to depart and be with Christ, but I need to be here with you. Listen, no one loves life more than the follower of Jesus Christ. Because we see life in another dimension. We see life as a gift to us from God. We're appreciative to God for it. We can see nature as His handiwork. We can enjoy the simple pleasures that He's given us. We don't need drugs to make that better. We don't need alcohol to escape from it. We have this relationship with God so we love and we cherish life. Having said that, we know a better life is coming so you don't have to be afraid. And man, life goes by so quickly. You know, it's amazing. I think about my own metabolism, how it's changed. Uh, Jonathan mentioned earlier that I started preaching when I was young. So we would do services in the evening and, and afterwards I, I would go to a take up Mexican place called Noggles. Anybody remember Noggles? It's really good. It's really, I wish they'd bring it back. It was good. So I would get something called the Macho Combo Burrito at night after I preached. This is like 10 o'clock. I'm eating this thing. It was the size of a sleeping bag. It was big. <laughs> no problem. My young metabolism handled it great. Now I couldn't even think about such a thing. My generation, the baby boomers, we've gone from acid rock to acid reflux. We, we have to think about these things. But life goes by so quickly. And we realize that we need to be prepared for the next life. Some people say, well, I'll, you know, I'll change my appearance. I'll inject this or I'll stretch that or, or you know, take all these healthy things and eat healthy, eat kale and tofu. And okay, fine, go for it. Enjoy it as you push your dog around in a stroller, most likely. <laughs> I saw something worse than someone pushing a dog in a stroller recently. Someone had a cat in a stroller. <laughs> and then some girl from our youth group, I'm not making this up, showed me a pig in a stroller. They're in a mall pushing a pig in a stroller. Uh, and it was a big pig. I'm thinking, this has to stop now. <laughs> this has nothing to do with anything. I'm just getting off on things that bug me. Okay. <laughs> but I read about a 105-year-old woman from Texas. Her name is Pearl Cantrell. She's had seven children. They asked Pearl, what is the secret to your longevity? How did you make it to 105 years? She says, I have a one word answer. Bacon. <laughs> wow, bacon? Someone should take that pig in the stroller over to Pearl. She's gonna <laughs> have a party for sure. But we have to face these things head on. And as I've said, Easter was the death of death. Death used to be an executioner. The resurrection just makes him a gardener. And it's something we all face. But remember, it's not the end. Okay, so let me just share three takeaway truths 
about what this all means to you. Number one, because of the resurrection of Jesus, one day I will receive a new body. Isn't that great to know? Uh, you know, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was effectively a preview of things to come. Because we too one day will be resurrected. First Corinthians 15, 20 says, the truth is Christ has been raised up, the first and a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemeteries, but we have to wait our turn. Christ is first, then those with Him at His coming. Understand this, Jesus Christ rose with a real body in a real world, in a real way, with a real voice. He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't a ghost. He was a real person. He still bore, as we mentioned, the marks of the crucifixion even after he rose. So that's a reminder to us that when we receive that new body God has for us, you will still be you. You won't become another person. You'll be a radically righteous, resurrected you. Secondly, because of the resurrection of Jesus, our new bodies, our glorified bodies, will be much like His. First John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now we are the children of God. It's not been revealed what we will be, but we know when He is revealed, we will be like Him. For we will see Him as He is. We will be like Jesus. Our bodies will be like Jesus. So what do we know about the body of Jesus? Number one, it was recognizable including the scars from the crucifixion. Secondly, he did not have the normal limitations that people have. He could appear and disappear at will. Thirdly, he ate food. What's he doing here in John 21? He's making breakfast, making it. He could have just snapped his fingers and boom, eggs benedict. Blueberry pancakes, huh? Well, did they have that back then? Doesn't matter, he's God, he could have done it. <laughs> but what does he say? Bring some of the fish that you have caught. He goes, I want to use the fish you brought. And I bet Jesus was a great cook. Don't you think? And so he made that meal for them. And it's a reminder that just as Jesus ate in his glorified body, we will eat too. So when we get to heaven, there's going to be the wedding feast of the Lamb. Matthew eight eleven says, people will come from the east and the west and take their place at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. How cool would that be? You, you can have a meal with people from the Bible. I mean, imagine that for a moment. James and John, you know, Elijah. So if your meat is undercooked, you could say, Elijah, could you call a little fire down from heaven? <laughs> kind of torch that meat. <laughs> Thank you, Elijah. I could use some salt. Hey, Lot, can you pass the salt? <laughs> oh, Lot, get over it. You're so sensitive. No, but seriously. These are inside Bible jokes, right? Okay. You have to know the Bible to get these jokes. But we'll be reunited with loved ones. Loved ones that have preceded us to heaven. Many of you may remember Randy Alcorn. Uh, Randy's a friend of mine. He's been here many times. And he wrote to me the best book on heaven. Of course, not including scripture. But it's called Heaven. And uh, he, he's such a great guy and loves the Lord. And he loves his wife, Nancy. But tragically, his wife Nancy recently passed away from cancer. And uh, so I've, I've talked to him and texted him. And, and he texted this back to me. He says, you and Kathy know what those firsts are like without your loved one. I've been thinking about how Nancy won't need to say he is risen 
but will be able to look into the eyes of the one she loves and say, you have risen. It warms my heart to think of the two of them together with my mom and her mom and many of our friends smiling. And I'm thinking of her meeting your Christopher too. He's risen, he writes. Isaiah 25 promises he'll swallow up death forever. Can't wait, but we have to wait a little bit longer. See, that's how a believer looks at death. Isn't that great? Good reassurance about life and the afterlife today here on A New Beginning. Pastor Greg Laurie is presenting a message called Breakfast with Jesus, and there's more to come. Well, Pastor Greg, I, I ran across the words of Ruth Graham. Mm. She said, Our daughter's Swiss in-laws once gave my husband a Swiss watch. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it stopped working, but no local watchmaker could fix it. So the next time we were in Switzerland, we sent it directly to the company that made it. They had no problem. The ones who made it knew how to make it work again. <laughs> yes. It's that way with a marriage, isn't it? If, if we're looking to fix it, we need to consult the one who made marriage. Yes, that's very true. And God has given us so many truths in the Bible about how to have a strong and lasting marriage. You know, another statement that Ruth made about marriage is a good marriage is made up of two forgivers. And I think that love keeps short accounts. You have a conflict Uh, You need to resolve it to the best of your ability and not let the sun go down in your wrath, but you need to forgive and you need to forget. And and you need to appreciate and love and value and honor your spouse and let them know. You have to verbalize it to them. They can't read your mind. (laughs) And, And I can't think of a better resource that I could offer you that are married out there. And even some of you that are single, why not learn about marriage before you get married? And this resource I want to talk to you about is called The Marriage Devotional, written by my friend Levi Lesko, along with his wife, Jenny. It's a very practical book. It's a biblical book. It's it's something that's going to help you strengthen your marriage. It's devotions you go through each and every day. Levi, how many devotions are in this book, and how long would it take to go through one with your spouse? Well, there's 52, and that will last you either a whole year or a month and a half, mm-hmm. depending on how you approach it, whether you need more intensive, focused work or you have the leisure of a whole year. Uh, I think if you gave you know, 15 minutes, you could do it. But honestly, you could spend an evening, bring it with you on your date night. As you go through it, you, you would read through the content in just 10, 15 minutes. We didn't want a high bar there yeah. if you look up the verses. But if you take the time to answer the questions and to do the activities that we recommend, it could last you definitely an hour. And we also know couples that will read it by themselves Mm -hmm. and then come together and share their answers. So there's no wrong way to go through it. Um, But, you know, you're going to get God's word. Uh, The Bible opens with the marriage. In the, in the book of Genesis, right. the Bible closes with a marriage in the book right. of Revelation. And in the dead center is the book of Song of Solomon, where God really puts his stamp of approval on this institution of marriage that he created, that he knows how to get the best out of, and that he wants to be a powerhouse for evangelism. Ephesians says that marriage is meant to be a picture of Christ and his church. Yes. So if our marriage are, marriages are operating how God wants them to, the result will be people coming to know Jesus. We know that we have listeners right now that have strong and vibrant marriages. We know that there's some folks listening right now whose marriage is in trouble, and 
I think I'm probably speaking to someone who has their marriage hanging by a thread. And maybe the thread's on fire. Well, we have help for you. Hope for your marriage. And it's called the Marriage Devotional. We'll send it to you for your gift of any size this month to help us continue on with our ministry. The Marriage Devotional, written by Levi and Jenny Lesko. Order your copy right now. I think this is one of the most important resources we've ever offered here on A New Beginning. Yeah, and we're ready to send it your way. We're so thankful for your partnership. You know, we don't have any large organizations covering all the expenses of bringing you these studies. Now, it's listener support that makes it possible. So as you invest today, we'll be glad to send you the marriage devotional to say thank you. You can call us at 1-800-821-3300. That's a 24-7 phone number, 1-800-821-3300. Or simply go online to harvest.org. Well, next time, more insight to help prepare our hearts for Easter weekend. Join us here on A New Beginning with pastor and Bible teacher, Greg Laurie. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to A New Beginning. This is a podcast made possible by Harvest Partners. So for more content that can help you know God and equip you to make Him known to others or to learn more about how you can become a Harvest Partner, just go to harvest.org.